0: Well, it's a brisk Friday morning here in Boston. Roland, how are things going on the West Coast?
1: Lovely, Frank. Good to be here and looking forward to talking with an awesome guest this morning.
0: I know. Now we're reaping the rewards of all the work we did in January and February booking guests because now we've got a a cluster of people scheduled and a bunch, actually a backlog. That's an amazing thing.
1: I know. We're back ahead of the game. It's good.
0: Do you want to introduce today's guest?
1: I'm I'm particularly excited to have today's guest because... I actually had some interactions with him before I started writing my book, and he was one of the people that I, his work, He wrote a book called Agile in a Nutshell, or a website called Agile in a Nutshell, that really got me thinking about how to articulate the way that Agile is informing marketing practice. And he's just a great writer. He's a thought leader when it comes to um, Agile. His his name's Jonathan Rasmussen. He is on the product management side. He's actually an iOS engineer at Spotify, but he's also, in addition to that, he's an Agile coach, and he's helped Spotify develop their their model. I think we can hear a little bit about that. The reason that we you know, I wanted to bring him on the show, obviously he's he's not really a marketer and our listeners are marketers, but the reason that I wanted to bring him on the show is that I think he's one of these people who, on the product management side, is doing a great job of sort of articulating what is working there and how it's in and he's sort of inspiring people in the business to take agile and adapt it. And he's articulated what's working in a way that makes it easier for business people to do that and i guess the other piece is that i think spotify as a company is really sort of pushing the boundaries of what's possible with agile and making agile scale so i think we have a lot to learn from jonathan excited to bring him on
0: super let's bring him up
1: hey jonathan are you there
0: hi good morning hey jonathan good
1: morning all right. Thanks so much for, uh, for joining us this morning. Um, I'm super excited to have you um, on the show. I was telling Frank a minute ago about the conversation that we had before I even started really writing my book and the fact that some of the stuff that you've written on your website and in your book, Agile in a Nutshell, inspired me to push harder into trying to adopt Agile in the marketing context. But even more than that, just encourage me to do some writing of my own about Agile in the marketing context to try and help educate my peers and colleagues about the value. So uh, most of the folks that we bring on the show are marketers. You're a little bit of an exception to that because you're obviously on the product management and engineering side at Spotify. But I think marketers have a lot to learn, I think, about your experience. We want to hear from you about um, sort of what the latest and greatest is at Spotify. But obviously, we'd also love to hear about how you're working with other functions and using Agile as a platform for collaboration.
2: Sure. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll do my best. And thanks very much for having me. I think one thing that's, that's really become apparent to me over the years is that uh, this is obviously a continuing, evolving thing. And regardless of whatever discipline you're in, whether it's engineering, product development, or, or marketing. In a lot of cases, so much has changed that a lot of this is very new for a lot of people. It, it doesn't sound new when you look back at Agile and say, it's, it's been around for 15 years or so, but a lot of times, you know, we're still trying to figure this stuff out. And I think what's interesting over the last, say, 15 years or so is that it's really gone from a movement started initially in the, the programming community. It was really a group of programmers who really got sick and tired about how software is being developed in the, the 90s and how we've been doing it for the last sort of 40 or 50 years. And so there's got to be a better way to do this. And from that beginning, you know, first disrupting how software is being written uh, in the original agile versions of extreme programming and how that affected testing and requirements gathering and then how that's permeated out through all the different groups associated with that. It's been very very interesting. and of course, now it's grown much beyond just programming and development and software engineering, but it's affecting organizations now. And I think it's a lot of it's in response to you know a couple of things. One is the speed that we have to react to things happening today. and this and this little thing called the internet's really tipped everything on its head. It's literally disrupted just about every vertical you can imagine from. Uh, transportation to hotels to real estate to film tv and music and we're all we're all dealing with that and it's it's been really fun and it's such an exciting time to be a part of the industry and, and, and try to figure out what this means for different companies and different people and where they're working and careers and there's a lot of careers and jobs that just simply didn't exist 15 or 20 years ago so it's it's really exciting time Spotify I mean has been around since 2006 which depending upon how you look at things is either a very short or very long period of time but we've always been into agiles for, for many many years and it's it's been a way that we've operated here but but it's hard to describe because i mean what's good is it's become mainstream enough that we can say something like scrum and people will know what that means, or now that you know, I'm excited to be talking to marketers who are looking at, at Agile and how this can help them be more effective. When I, look, when I look at it now and I try to describe to people what some of the things we do at Spotify that has helped make us effective is, I'm not even sure if it's fair to call it Agile, but it really comes down quite often a lot to autonomy, empowerment, and, and self-direction, which on the surface sounds really easy. You know, at a company, we always like these teams to be autonomous and empowered so they can be very close to the work, make their own decisions, set their own expectations and be self-directed. That sounds really easy. But it's, in fact, I think very, very hard for a lot of what I'll call more traditional companies who just aren't set up that way to work. And that's for a whole host of reasons. It can be just because we still have a very industrial mindset when it comes to work and a very top-down approach terms of how decisions get made and how that gets passed down to the organization. It goes counter to a lot of the incentives and leadership and how we're set up in companies. So one thing that's been very interesting for me to note since I've joined Spotify and I've been here about two and a half years, but I've worked in lots of traditional companies before that is how they really push down that decision-making and try to push that as almost as far out to the teams as possible and then give them enough mm-hmm. trust to, to go and I think that's yeah. the biggest thing I've noticed uh, at Spotify as opposed to some other companies.
0: Well, it's some of the stuff you were talking about was, I guess, classic innovator's dilemma, right? The That the incentives in a larger company are to maybe take fewer risks because mm-hmm. the, they at an asymmetric risk reward ratio. But coming back to one of the original points you said about speed, right, the need for speed and, and developers being, I don't want to say fed up maybe isn't the right word, but developers really looking for a different way. One of the challenges I face when I talk to marketers today is that while our, our cheese has moved, I'm going to mix metaphors here, a lot of things have changed dramatically and speed being one of them, like social and mobile and everything, making it move faster. I don't know that if a lot of marketers are yet acknowledging they have a problem. I mean, Roland, would you agree? Or
2: Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I don't think it's just marketers. I think that a lot of companies out there This is something that was really neat at at Spotify. I was in the Stockholm office for a while, and we'd have a lot of companies, a lot of European companies come to Spotify in Stockholm and kind of just want a tour and look around and go, what are you guys doing around everything? So they'd bring their their VPs of their technology, they'd bring their uh, product people, their QA people, their analyst people, and they would just kind of want to see what we're doing. And what quickly became apparent is that a lot of these For these companies who have realized their cheese has moved, they're looking for another model or a different process around which to organize and do work. And I think that's great. And Spotify is usually quite open. They've allowed companies to come in. They're happy to talk to them. But I think your point is exactly right. If you're a company, if you're a German company that's been selling insurance for 125 years and things have been pretty good, there may not be a lot of incentive to change. And yet now it's dawning on a lot of companies that, they kind of they kind of have to. And the unfortunate reality, and I think this is just human nature, is that it often takes a big fire or a big loss or a big threat to emerge uh, before that change is really absorbed or realized and and in in some cases the companies react in some cases they don't i don't think this has anything to do with agile but it's it's interesting because
0: some of the empowerment messages that that come through loud and clear in in the in the whole agile setting is i mean some of those messages go back to i'm going to date myself the early 90s my first job out of undergrad when i was working as a chemist at ei dupont believe it or not that was a long long many lives ago but We were doing, you know, this was, there was no Agile at the time, or at least the ideas of Agile hadn't permeated. We were chemists. We were working through self-directed teams and management was saying too many managers per chemist and, you know, we need to self-directed teams and self-scheduling. I mean, some of those concepts aren't brand new. No. And this is the thing I
2: I find so frustrating about (laughs) Agile and things like this is it's absolutely not new. These things are older than time. And it's funny because I go to these conferences and I see people paying thousands of dollars to show up and watch speakers and, and people. And what it comes down to, in a sense, to me, is just common sense. Like it really hit me once. I was at a conference in Toronto and a very, very high ranking person was saying, we have this thing called the scientific method, plan, do, check, act. And what we do is we, and what they basically began to recite was grade seven science. Like absolute common sense stuff in terms of you make a hypothesis, you try it out, you look at the results, and then you adapt. And I was like, my God, how have we gotten so dumb in corporate North America or whatever you want to call it, where we have to remind ourselves of something as basic as plan, do, check,
1: (laughs) act? So when I think about this uh, and how it is that that happened, I'm often reminded of a topic that Scott Brinker talks a lot about or brings up a lot, this thing called the Kenevan Framework. I don't know if you're familiar with that framework. It's a decision-making framework. I'll give you a very quick background on it. I can put some information in the show notes about it. But it's a decision-making framework. What's interesting is that the framework was developed at exactly the, the same time that the Agile Manifesto was originally written. And it's th- that fact speaks to why there was a lot of motivation to write the agile manifest in the first place but it's basically a four quadrant diagram and it talks about it basically says look there's different kinds of problems in the world those problems have unique approaches associated with them so we can't try and approach every problem in the same way and we we need to uh, be flexible in terms of we need to assess what kind of problem it is and then we need to apply the right approach and There's this thing that, I mean, marketing, I think, is based, uh, our tradition is based on psychology. And there's something about human psychology, which is really at play here, which is that, you know, when we get a reward for something that we do, we're carving these neural pathways that help us get to that reward in a repeated way. And we try and optimize those pathways. And the more that we do it, the deeper and deeper that pathway gets. And this, I think, gets embedded into our company culture, right? It happens on an individual level at first, but companies basically set themselves up to you know, repeat these behaviors that lead to the reward and optimize them. The problem is, is that as they do that repetitive process, they also make it very, very hard for themselves to get out of that rut or out of that process. And they start looking across this decision-making framework and seeing problems that belong in a different domain, but they try and take those problems and make it make them fit into the domain in which they're comfortable, rather than changing the way that they work to deal with these new kinds of problems. In the con- in the context of this Kinevan framework, like there's we get really comfortable operating in the simple domain, which is the domain in which like there's a relationship between cause and effect and the relationship is well known, so we can recognize these patterns and respond well. But most of our business is actually moving to this complex domain where we can't actually know in advance what the solution is. We only can figure out what that problem space is by running tests. Figuring out what's in the space through the process of testing, so the solutions are more emergent, right? So I think the fundamental problem that businesses are facing is that we've gotten really comfortable in that simple domain, and we have a really hard time getting out of it, and and actually operating in that complex domain.
0: You know, Roland, I always had this one hypothesis about why Agile hasn't caught on as quick in marketers, which is, as marketers, we always have we're a bit of a hero, kind of hero worshippers. You think about Steve Jobs, the marketing genius. There's this great myth. I mean, the, you hire a creative agency and, and the creative director is the genius in the agency and has the genius ideas. As always, when in fact as marketers, the new this new paradigm comes back to just what you said, that we don't know what we don't know. Barry, that was my Rumsfeldian right. comment. We don't have the <laughs> answers and all we can do really is we're kind of surrendering to the test.
2: Yeah, no, I think you guys are absolutely right and I think that's What's become more important, I think, is that half the battle is just being able to phrase the question in the right way. Like, what's the problem we're trying to solve here? And I think you absolutely nailed on that on the head. We don't, we often don't know the the answer. And I think how this is manifesting itself in, in a couple of different ways. Mary Poppendick is a, uh, a really a great speaker in the agile space, and she's written about Lean, and she's helped bring Toyota manufacturing practices into the software world. She has a really good phrase I like, which is, we don't, I'm talking about the software side of things now, we don't need delivery teams anymore, what we really need are problem solving teams. So we need to form teams, give them problems, and then give them the the time and the space to iterate and try different things out, because quite often we don't know uh, what the best answer is or what the exact one way to do this is. And to your point about we need different frameworks and processes and solutions for different problems, I couldn't agree more, which is why I find it so hard to give advice around stuff like this because something I constantly do to myself is when I find myself giving advice, the devil's advocate side of me always has a counter for that advice won't work. And uh, that's why when people say, should I never do waterfalls? Well, no, there might be a time and a place maybe where waterfall is the right thing. And if you need to iterate quickly, it may not fit. But where, where this really evolved in software was we were used to doing something called waterfall, where we fixed the requirements, we fixed the design, we fixed the coding, and there's no space to iterate. That's really good if the cost of change is extremely high, for which it was in software, starting in the 50s and 60s. You know, It took a lot of effort to change a line of code in the space shuttle before it went up, whereas now... With the computers we've got and the databases and the just-in-time, everything we've got now, the cost of change is very cheap. That's enabled us to work in a completely different way than our forefathers could. So that's one analogy in my mind I try to just keep, keep in the back there, like you know, diamond cutting isn't something you can iterate on. You have to cut that diamond once very, very well. So if the cost of change is high, yeah, you probably do want to put more upfront effort, but if it's low, then by all means experiment and iterate and try things.
1: Yeah, I think the challenge that we're facing, Jonathan, though, is that like fundamentally a lot of companies, their culture over many years was developed on top of waterfall, right? But we're spending more time in these contexts where we actually do need to apply agile to be able to keep up. So at the at the core of it is the fact that companies do kind of have to go through an agile transformation at some point. It it isn't just about product management and just uh, or just about marketing, right? It's about really kind of upgrading the the overall culture at the company to be able to embrace some of these principles because we're spending more and more time in this world in which we can change without incurring massive costs. Like Probably more than 50% of the work that we're doing is in that domain. So I'm kind of curious to get back to Spotify. Was Spotify just a company where that was the way it was from the get-go and you didn't really have to go through a transformation like this?
2: Well, I think... So just with the understanding, I wasn't there in the very beginning, so I can only guess and speculate what it would have been like. But I'm pretty confident in saying it was like most startups who needed to uh, move quickly, try different things out. There wasn't probably a lot of process with a small team and like a typical startup. They, they didn't. I'm, I'm so excited when I meet young people now and I ask them, uh, hey, have you heard of Waterfall? And they go, no. I'm like, great. So this is the wonderful thing about life and death is, is as our generations move on and as we get older, there's no one's teaching waterfall anymore. It's it's pretty much a bygone from an older era. So that's, that's the advantage that these new companies have, not having that legacy that you're talking about and having to deal with uh, everything there. So yeah. Spotify's case, starting out as a startup, getting on very early, and then realizing that they're in a very competitive space around which they need to compete and they're looking for ways to make their teams go faster. They brought in some people who helped them through Agile and through Scrum and things like this, bringing in Agile coaches and that. They were primarily brought in to help teams meld and get more productive more quickly to kind of fast-track that process instead of just letting it happen organically.
0: Yeah, the only contrast for marketers is not sitting in a university setting, but I would suspect that if we were at NEMA undergraduate communications program where they're teaching future PR reps or future ad agency workers, you know, they would say, first, you build a creative brief and then you, you know, then you design the program and then you put it, you know, then you launch the program or then you test the program and then you launch the program. And, uh, you know, I think that's, maybe one of the, the mar- and or or as a part of the program, it's a part of the course. It's like, okay, let's build a marketing plan. Let's build our, in, in the market, a marketing plan consists of, you know, goals, awareness building, you know, all these components. So that's the only, I guess that's maybe only the only challenge yeah. we face over on the marketing side.
1: The I don't think the instru- institutions can probably keep up, Frank, in terms of their curriculum.
0: Where it's just not to the point where in software development... It, I'm gonna use a cliche. It's all agile these days, but it's such a prevalent. I don't know, Jonathan. You can probably share what you would get, what your guesstimate of what percentage of software development is being done on agile or some variant or some closely related analog. I mean, what's it like? 80 percent. I mean, you know, it's
2: it's it's funny because. For a while, I mean, no, I I do agree. I think the vast majority of it is agile. And yet every once in a while, I do periodically come across someone who, or some company, who is doing old school waterfall, and they are out there. Having said that, I think North America is also very different than the rest of the world. For example, I know India has a strong tradition of waterfall still. Japan, its entire IT organization very early on was built structurally around the concept of waterfalls just because of how companies interacted with external service providers.
0: How ironic that is, too.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. And this is exactly this is the country that gave us Toyota and the Toyota Lean Process and all that. The one thing I found early on in my career, and also when you're working in an agile way with agile companies early on, that's all you see. So you, you can think that everyone's doing this when, in fact, everyone isn't. But one thing I learned very early on is I was involved in some organizational transformation initiatives and I found it very frustrating and hard, like changing a company and changing a people's culture is extremely, extremely tough. And I just kind of decided early on, that's not something I just wanted to to go around and try to do. Because when you think about what you're trying to do to these older agencies for a second, when you're changing fundamentally how people work that's immediately threatening.
0: And you know, it's yeah. funny, I goes back to my MBA background was was that they always say the soft stuff is the hard stuff. It's another one of those yeah. clichés that people talk about and you know, I was working on a blog post with one of my colleagues from my day job talking about how is the cloud? How is the cloud affecting people in the data center or how do you get ready for the cloud? How do you get your data center ready for the cloud? And you know, someone I had an external writer who was helping me with the blog post and he'd sent me first outline and I said, "Well, where's the people stuff?" And he said, what are you talking about? I said, well, you've got, you know, first you need to think about workloads, and then you need to think about how many servers, and then you need to think about what are your use case. And I said, well, that's great. That stuff's all really great. But what about, you know, getting your team ready? That's what the article's about. I mean, what, what do you do to get people emotionally and, and kind of used to this fact that their job's going to change? They worry about losing their job. They worry about change yeah. in general is very scary for people.
1: At some point, I think we, you know, we've had conversations with marketers who, who at some point, they get to, to this place where they actually need to start restructuring their organization to improve their agile implementation. And I think that's where things get really hard. I think we've heard Frank a lot of marketers who are struggling in that spot. Um, Jonathan, I am curious just to—I know that we're I'm running close to end of time here, but I am curious to hear a little bit about. How do you work with the marketing folks at Spotify? What's your interaction and how has their are they as far into agile as the rest of Spotify is?
2: You know, that's that's a really good question. I'll I'll tell you what we do here. So I work out of the San Francisco office now and we have a marketing contact in New York who does work closely with us. And when we do offsites and retreats, marketing is there. They're represented and they're letting us know what they're doing. It's kind of a two-way street. And I, I don't have working insight into how they work in New York, but I think it is in a fairly you know, agile manner. What happens there is marketing, they often have campaigns. They're doing things to which we don't have a lot of direct input unless they need something technically done in the product to help them either broadcast or, or, or do whatever it is they need to do. But sometimes there will be work or initiatives that come from marketing that we do help out with. And so we work closely with them uh, in that regard. Other times it will be sort of from us coming out, whereas we will have a new product, a new, serv- uh, new, new servicing or something we want to showcase. And we'll have to decide as a team, is this something we want to have a big marketing push around or is this something we'd rather soft launch and just quietly put out there do some beta testing, and then really launch hard after. And it's really just a conversation at this point. Like, I'm, I'm not embedded with the marketing team. I can't see if they've got a scrum board up on the wall or, or how they actually work. But I think it's, I, I have to imagine it's mostly in a pragmatic sort of agile fashion but it's, it's kind of a conversation where we're keeping each other in the loop and when we need each other's services, we're kind of there to support one another with whatever it is the
0: other needs. Most marketers and marketing teams are very early in the process of Agile, or at least you know, I most days I talk to people saying, oh, I'd love to have you come in and share with my team how we can make this happen. And I mean, what piece of advice would you give to a marketer who's thinking about, hey, I, I should be doing Agile or I really want to, but I don't even know where to get started?
2: Even in a space that I'm very familiar with, say one like like software and engineering, is I find before people are receptive to what, whatever advice or whatever it is you're trying to give them, they almost need that pain point. Or it certainly helps if, if you can understand, I'll give you an example. Sometimes we still, even within Spotify, we have engineers who are, are thrilled with Agile and some are less thrilled with with Agile. They'd rather have no process around how they work. They would rather just you know be left alone, give them a technical problem and they'll work. So they, so even within Spotify, sometimes within what we're doing, we still have to kind of pitch and sell and explain why we like to work the way we do when we're doing these things. And I find whenever you're, you're approaching someone like that, whether it's an engineer, someone in marketing, uh, someone in QA or uh, an analyst or a product owner, it, it helps if you've got some pain point around which they're really suffering, like, and then use that to lever whatever it yeah. is you'd like to, because it's, it's hard just to show up to market and say, hey, be agile. It's like, what does that even mean? <laughs> Like, okay, it's, so they yeah. go Google the manifesto, they read the manifesto, they nod their head. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, but that's not going to change my day-to-day actions. So I, I find, what I find really helps is just...
0: Understanding the problem.
2: Yeah. Understanding yeah. the problem yeah. and trying to find some fire or what, what's a pain point? Like, what's really hard? I'll, one One little one that came out from XP early, extreme programming, probably one of the earliest agile methods was... Kent Beck, the creator, had this saying, if something hurts, do it a lot. So if releasing software hurts, we're going to release software every, every day. If testing hurts, we're going to test every day. Wow. And so just basically making it iterative, which sounds common sense and simple. That's what people do anyways. But if, I think what's changed with marketing from what I know is you can't just go buy a big, I don't know a ton of marketing, but I know you just can't go buy a big ad space, pump money yep. out, and not measure the results coming back and expect everyone to be happy. No, no, no. Like so much has changed around the data, the analytics, the insights. People really want to know and track how their money's being spent. You're going to want a tool and a process that's going to help make that more effective for mm-hmm. you. And here's some ideas that might help out.
0: Well, for our audience, again, we've reached the end of our time our sitcom attention span here keeps us under a half an hour so thank you Jonathan for joining us today yeah as a reminder to our listeners out there we are available on iTunes as well as SoundCloud also if you do something and it's painful do it often the uh, last time Roland had his impassioned plea about reviews if you love the podcast if you listen to it regularly we'd love to see a A review on iTunes that would really tell people, give us some sense of how we're doing. If you have a story to tell, if you're a marketer and you're trying to make it work, or you're making it work, or you failed miserably. We are always interested in talking to people in marketing (laughs) who are trying to figure it all out, as I am every day. You can reach Roland at rsmartly on the Twitters or myself at Tangy Slice on the Twitters. You can also find old episodes on agilemarketingblog.com. Jonathan, thank you again for joining us. It was a great podcast. I love having the ones where we we get people who know about agile and aren't necessarily marketers. It's a lot of fun. Thank you, everyone, for joining us, and please stay agile.